Welcome back to Infinite Geek Talk, an ongoing conversation between your hosts, former DC Comics editor and owner of Infinite Heroes in Watertown, Connecticut, Paul Santos, who is joined by Keith Field, co-founder of Gorilla Valley Games and the owner of Rat's Nest Studios. Let's listen in. why you should all hate science fiction. And if we've done anything as an entity with this infinite conversation is uh, I think we've opened a lot of eyes to a lot of false narratives. People are burning their copies of The Day the Earth Stood Still right now as we speak en masse on the streets of Waterbury. Hero, savior, Keith Charles Field. Uh, Actually, you know, as I sit here, though, Uh, As I suggested, there are certainly exceptions to this rule, uh, but without going case by case. The big one that I feel I I have to explain is is beautiful and good, and and it it alone justifies the existence of science fiction as an entity, is one of the most important movies you'll ever see. Now, this question I, I offer to the world, as I ask it to you, young Master Paul, have you ever seen the movie Damnation Alley? I have not, no. Are, are you familiar with the movie Damnation Alley? No, I'm assuming it's a 70s movie. It is, is. it is. And it's a very important 70s movie. Uh, hey, Rich, have you ever heard of Damnation Alley? I have not heard of Damnation Alley. Well, you know, here's the thing that's fun. This is a fun thing. My dear friend and, and partner, not that sort of partner, uh... <laughs> Sweet, sweet Gordon uh, is here with us tonight. We've mentioned him previously on uh, our conversation, specifically when we discussed my hacking skills and the miracle of Titty Z, the game genie code that unlocked all of the potential of of the future of gaming for an eager mankind. Uh, He is here with us in our studio this evening as an audience of sorts. But Gordon, you can perform a service for us if you would. Look up the movie Damnation Alley for me on your phone. I would love to read you a synopsis off of Wikipedia of of Damnation Alley. Quick sidebar: uh, yes. I watched uh, Nightmare Alley over the weekend. How are you the the new one? I assume the new Not one, the yes. original, yes. Uh, it's very good. Okay. Um, I know it's like a beloved noir book, and then an okay, and a. No, in a beloved movie, I guess from forty-seven. Well, there, there was an original film that is considered a classic by many. Yeah, it's um, it's Del Toro, so it looks good. And the writing is good, but uh, it's the ending kind of falls kind of flat. I know what they were going for, okay. but it was kind of telegraphed. Uh, I think uh, self same Mister uh, Gordon and I were discussing the movie this weekend because I haven't seen it yet. It's very good. It's very good. And uh, yeah, I, I thought that Carla Guglielio woman was in it. The one from uh, Watchmen. I, I guess she's not. She's not in it. No. Uh, Rooney this Mars was, in it. This was a, one of those, uh, what, what do they call it? The Mandela effect yes. situations? Yes. I, yes, I was it. so convinced she was in it. So th- this is the movie uh, Damnation Alley. Now, I, mm-hmm. why am I talking about Damnation Alley? Well, because we were just talking about the our least favorite movie. Uh, I'm going to suggest to you. Everyone has their worst movie ever made, right? And I, I always find that's that it's a broken talking point. It can be fun to talk about shitty movies, but the fact is, under what scale must you judge these films to determine whether or not a movie that's is fair. truly bad? You know, that's fair. You get two kids with a video camera out in the woods. They make a movie about a dinosaur. 
And I, I don't know. They use a rock as a, a stegosaurus. Maybe there's some sort of dignity in, in their, their deluded efforts to make us believe a small stone is a dinosaur. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a piece of trash. Maybe there's some flair there. That's it shows fair. some sort of creative development. I, I, I'm going to suggest this movie is kind of like that. It's pretending that a rock in your hand is a triceratops. It is one of the worst movies ever made, uh, but I love it ever so much. Let, let you all talk about your Manos, the Hands of Fate, or your, your Plan 9 from Outer Space. You never was idiots that are just vomiting back what you heard your cool cousin say six years ago. Go develop your own opinions, or... Hearken to my words, for here is the only opinion you should hold. Keith Charles Field's opinion. Now, uh, what is Damnation Alley? It was a big budget Hollywood picture. This was supposed to be movie of the year returns. What year is this supposed to be? Uh, it, it, uh, here's the clue. The same year Star Wars was coming out. Oh, man. <laughs> because this was the movie, baby. Okay. Lucas had to get past the studio's commitment to Damnation Alley before he could make Star Wars happen. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Damnation Alley from Wikipedia, the least trusted source in the world. I'll, I'll let you know whether or not I, I approve of this synopsis. First Lieutenant Jake Tanner, played by Jan Michael Vincent, <laughs> shares ICBM silo duty at an American Air Force missile base in the Californian desert with Major Eugene Sam Denton. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's played by George Papard, uh, who is requesting not to work with him. Oh, he's, he's a hard character. Okay. That Eugene Sam Denton. Keith Luigi Field understands his pain. Uh, on their way to duty, Denton talks to Sergeant Tom Keegan. Now, this is my favorite character, played by Paul Winfield. Okay. Now, just think about this cast. It's every fifth character from a failed CBS sitcom. Jan Michael Vincent, George Papart, and Paul Winfield? Bomb went off on that set. Goodbye, Hollywood. Uh, and, and, and Sergeant Tom Keegan is an aspiring artist. Uh, when the United States detects incoming nuclear missiles from the Soviet Union, Tanner and Denton launch part of the retaliatory strike. I want you to imagine Jan Michael Vincent, George Papard, and a sometimes present Paul Winfield on a set that would make Lost in Space look like your precious avatar, uh, making the decision of it's time for the retaliatory strike, and you still haven't summoned up the reality of this friggin' movie. So, they detect the incoming nuclear missiles from the Soviet Union, Tanner and Denton launch part of the retaliatory strike. The United States is hit hard, although it manages to intercept 40% of the Soviet missiles. Gentlemen, I ask you, why not 47? But 40%, fine. It's such a strange thing. Two years later, the Earth had been tilted off its axis by the nuclear detonations of World War III. Radiation has mutated giant scorpions. The planet is racked by massive storms. And the sky is in a perpetual Aurora Borealis-like state. Tanner has resigned his commission and has been scouting Barstow, while Keegan, who has also left the Air Force, has been painting as an artist in one of the base's outbuildings. Mutated giant scorpions menace the area. Later, 
An airman falls asleep in a bunk and drops a lit cigarette onto a pile of Playboy magazines, which causes the entire base to catch fire and explode when an undetected strong emission of gas fumes from the base's nearby storage tanks makes contact with the flames of the burning Playboy magazine. This is the entire movie you're reading at this point. But I'm reading it quickly. The explosions (laughs) kill most of the inhabitants, including the base commander, General Lander. He's played by Murray Hamilton. You know, old Murray Ham. Keegan and Tanner are unscathed, as are Denton and the lieutenant. They go to a garage bunker. Now, they consider going to Albany, New York, to find the source of the lone radio transmission that has been aired weekly since the war. He and the remaining others set out in two Air Force Landmasters. Now, this is the key. We're there now, people. We're through the looking glass. The Landmasters are giant, gas-guzzling, 12-wheeled, armored personnel carriers capable of climbing 60-degree inclines and operating in water. They must cross Damnation Alley, considered the path of least resistance between intense radiation areas, thus named by Denton. Along the journey, one of the Landmasters gets disabled in a storm which kills Perry. They encounter flesh-stripping cockroaches in the ruins of the Salt Lake City that eat Keegan alive. So if you ever wanted to see Madagascar and uh, hissing roaches devour poor, poor Paul Winfield, well, this is the movie for you. Yeah, I told you. (laughs) It goes on. There's a tsunami. They have to go in the water. At one point, they go on dirt bikes. They follow these dirt bikes. And in the final scene, they get to a suburb of Albany, New York, and the inhabitants say hello. That is Damnation Alley. This is the movie that studio executives said, this is our science fiction opus. To hell with this war stars and its talk of Jawas and Darth Vadar. I've never heard of this, and it sounds horrific. It is one of the best things you'll ever watch. You know, I I had a a troubling relationship with my mother, uh, uh, a far sadder podcast, perhaps. Uh, could carry the meat of that hellacious tale. Uh, nonetheless, one of those special magical moments where all of the ill drifted away and there was naught but love in the house of, of Keith Charles Field was when, uh, uh, freshly after some horrific uh, battle, uh, we, we were sitting and Damnation Alley came on and our laughter roared well into that spring afternoon. I, I dare suggest Damnation Alley can heal every problem within a troubled family unit if if you have a behaviorally ill child or or perhaps someone who's suffering from a step pappy with boundary issues just show them damnation alley and everything's going to be okay um that's fair uh it, it will solve us all now this is basically me explaining to you that any movie under the right light has a use i mean ultimately if damnation alley can heal the emotional wounds uh, of ill tide then it's worth all of our time but I just love that this is the guardian that had to be passed before George Lucas could become a quadrillionaire. And it certainly answers what I think the worst movie of all time is uh, with great eloquence, uh, more so than when we were stammering a few moments ago. But Paul, you've now had some time to reflect as I told you about a movie that saw Paul Winfield eaten by uh, roaches to be then met by two men on dirt bikes escaping to the suburbs. Uh, did you do you have any other thoughts on a favorite or, or a worst favorite or worst movie? I have a, like, if you're talking favorite worst movie. Or just a worst movie that really just weans on and, and answers that question more dramatically. Uh, no, I mean, I like I like having a worst, uh, fa- a favorite worst movie. Um, and it's very, 
pedestrian, I guess. Okay. I I really like the room. Okay. I think the room is probably the worst movie ever. Oh, made. you're saying in terms of what you like? Yeah, maybe yeah. I didn't convey that. No, right not way. not. You're talking about good bad movie. Yes. Yeah, on, so yeah, that... on, yeah, and not yeah. not the um. Brie Larson movie. No, I understand. Yeah, You're talking I, about the Tommy, else, Lee, Tommy Lee, Lee, movie. Bizarro movie. You know, once it was this that is the... little held gem of a secret. Now it is pretty popular, right, obviously. Right, right. But yeah, speak to it. Please. I mean, from every aspect, that movie was made, what, late 90s, right, I believe? Late 90s. Mm-hmm. It's filmed just like, it breaks every rule of story structure. It's shot as, they tried selling it as a Skinamax film. Right. So there's the most random... Right. sex scenes uh in that whole movie um just the writing is bad the acting is terrible i don't even know if it has a story if it has a if it has a character it's, it's, arc it's there a is story no story of betrayal arc. it's that a good man can be torn down but there's no all he did was give but there's no arc <laughs> listen the only arc a troubled man needs is a giant 16 wheeled a carrier device that may or may not have abandoned Paul Winfield to Roach. You put Tommy Wiseau in front of Damnation Alley. No, I, I, I certainly have an affection for the movie. I, I think the story behind is just so much more fascinating, though. Yeah, of course. I mean, even before it was popularized in right, the but Academy Award-winning motion picture. But if you watch that film, the subplot with. But no, it's not a movie. It's crazy it's noise cra- from a crazy person. Yeah, it's it's insane. My my Tommy Wiseau thing is, yeah, I have some level of appreciation and affection for the man. He's not really my thing. You know, we kind of pick our memes in life, and it's one right. of those I've let drift by. But I just, I, I'm so fascinated to know what his secret story is. He's got to be ex-KGB. There is. <laughs> That's what I'm going to Okay. Timely. I have nothing better to offer. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. another piece of wisdom. Tommy Wiseau is XKGB. Yeah. If, if you That's, have more to add to that, no, by all means. No, I, it, it just the insanity behind it. The blood it. of the innocent and sinner alike is but, 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 but mother's milk to Tommy Wiseau. The, the, uh, the money he had, because he did have some money. We know Jack Ruby killed Oswald, but you know who killed old Jack Ruby? It's Tommy, Tommy Wiseau. He's a baby. Uh, I oh, highly wow. recommend watching the movie... Uh, behind that movie, which I'm forgetting the name of it, with uh, James Franco. Uh, the Disaster it, Artist. The Disaster Artist. Yeah. That's an amazing film. They did a good job. A very good they job. They did a good job. It was, it, it, it really got the spirit across. I liked everybody in it. And again, the most compelling scene for me was when uh, uh, Seth Rogen goes to the bank to cash his first check. And he's like, eh, it's probably going to bounce. Oh, right, 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 like, right. No, no, these checks never bounce. They, they, this account doesn't have a bottom. Right. Now I'm scared of Tommy myself. Right. Well, and that's true. That's all true things. And yeah. he's very secretive. He made another movie, I believe. Tommy? Uh, Time was so, which I don't remember. He's, he did a bunch of projects, and I'm not enough of a fan to speak intelligently, but I know he did some sort of web series with all of his actors. Oh, yikes. You know, trying to turn, uh, basically trade on the kitsch of his career. I heard that girl just turned around and went back on the bus to, like, Oklahoma or something <laughs> after that movie. Hey, that poor was, girl. That was the end of her. Yeah, you're a part of history now, honey. It worked for Paul Winfield when those roaches were gobbling down. I need to watch this. How now? Are we talking stop motion roaches? Like what are the? Uh, well, effects? here's the thing. I, I, I love I stop motion. I gently lit upon it because I was reading you the whole story. Right. The real spoiler would be sharing the level of special effects 
that studio executives had more confidence in than R2-D2. Oh, this is like Ray... This oh, is it's like, a thing, this Daddy. This is like Ray ha- Harryhausen in 1977. Ray Harryhausen is a gift from God, That's what I'm friend. saying, yeah, yeah. No, there's no there's no speak of gift or God other than this is the gift of Satan meant to shame oh, God. man. It, it, it's a miracle. It really is. Those friggin' roaches. Oh, I'm delighted. Who put it out? I thought it was Fox, right? 20th was it Century Fox? Fox. It was, yeah, it was Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to then verbally perform the 20th Century Fox oh, uh, wow. opening music. I heard and, that. I and I'm glad it. Rich reacted because then I remembered we have a sound engineer who is capable of a very powerful and, and beautiful special effect. Right. So, Rich, as a tribute to you, not only am I shaming myself in this conversation, but I am now going to further that shame by enacting the song that I thought I could so do. I had enough confidence that I started to do it. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> dun, 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 dun. Now, you put up your version, the real version, and we see what the fans like better. That, that I think that'll be a fun interactive game for the It's gonna be like Star It's gonna be like Star Wars versus Damnation Alley. You know <laughs> I you know, if I was gonna judge that battle on on just the core three initial films, certainly I'd be laughing alongside you, you, you the rest of right. it. Right. But then I remember Sebulba uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sabotaging young Annie's pod racer. Yeah. And then I'm like, nah. If you give me the choice, I want to see Paul Winfield get eaten by roaches. You know it's crazy too. There's this new revisionist. Like everybody loved the prequel trilogy. Have you heard? Of, have you heard about these rumblings yeah, where yeah, everyone's like, "No, they've got a bad a rap." Thing. And uh, you know, obviously, Star Wars is more. Well, the thing that Star Wars has become, and and I don't say that as some sort of dismissive lunatic. I, I it's obviously an entirely different animal than it was during you know that which we perceive as our sacred relationship with the the core trilogy um it's so alive now and and i feel a lot of what you're talking about comes from the contentiousness of the fan base where you want to basically take tribal identifiers from your involvement with any genre hobby a lot of people at least rather than just enjoy the thing on its surface right so they feel the need to further subdivide and further draw lines in the sand so that they can have conflict within the pool that they shouldn't be conflicted with. These are your fellow peers. Are there differences in drips in quality? Of course there are. But I feel that it's an artificial tone. It's basically, well, it's better than what we're getting now. When, if you look at these things objectively, no, it's not not really. Well, I, I if see, you look at everything we're getting now. See, people I talk to customer-wise and even things I've read online, yeah. Prequel trilogy fans will say, oh, yeah, the first two aren't good movies, but I like them or something like that. Right. Whereas sequel fans will be like, they're all three Oscar winning, (laughs) you know, uh, magnum opuses of sci-fi. And they really don't understand that the first Force Awakens is an okay movie. The other two are terrible. Yeah, they are. I would watch barely movies. I would watch Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones over those two. Yeah, and I think if there's a true tone to the def- the people who defend the the prequels i think that's the truth of right, it, right right it's that you know in recognition of just the the jaded garbage that was churned out through committee where you can see the stuff that would have worked that had razors slashed across them and and other stuff woven in it, you know I, it, it it's just 
painful. But the prequel storyline is so infantile and so obvious in its purpose to cause a big bang of merchandising. Oh, sure, yeah. That I feel that that Mammonite credo has soured the whole pool of the franchise to some degree. Because there has to be some level of emotional commitment for an honesty of emotion to come through in the film. And these six last films do not have any emotional heart. There's no revenge, empathy revenge, to hold to those characters the, until Revenge, revenge of the Sith. Sith. I will always say that. That, was a, that felt like a real it, movie to me. Even though it has flaws, it, it did felt like when a real I watched movie. it the, the premiere night. And it did when I watched it at least once or twice afterward. Right. But then by that time, the jingoistic hope that this franchise that you're, you're carrying this torch for has dwindled down, at least for me. I'm not saying it should for anybody right, else right, right. yet. Uh, but the candle burned down enough that when I watched it again, it's like, no, it's it can't exist without the other two movies. Ergo, it is not a true movie unto itself. Um, I think it could it, it could exist. You're just missing a lot of subtext. You know, I, I, I think Anakin. there's enough that you would miss that it would be well, spiritually you, you know that Anakin is with Padme. If I didn't know that R2-D2 was one of 475 astromech droids that once stood on the outside of a ship and all 474 got killed, but then he came down and didn't die. I mean, how can I possibly remain invested in R2-D2 <laughs> moving forward through this nine film <laughs> franchise? That's not, the, that's not the plot of the third movie. Well, third, I need to know who R2 is. Well, that's just a thing that's what that I'm George saying. Lucas threw in there. <laughs> That's not the actual it makes the movie. No, good sorry. Just like Kyle Rayner is the character in the DC universe whose girlfriend is slaughtered. Oh my god, you can't bring and, that up as a Well, crush. it's his sole defining characteristic, Paul. Then R2D2, I can't know who R2D2 is unless I know that he is the one Mary Sue robot that survived the purge on the wing of a ship. But that, I still don't know how that doesn't have anything to do with Revenge of the Sith. Doesn't it though? R2's in the movie. So what? It's, again, you can't have one without the other. These movies are involved in a tightly woven symbiosis. They can't exist as individual nodules. Oh, yeah, I, I get that, but I think Revenge... R2 is one example of why. Yeah, but R2 is not part... I know what you're saying, but it's not part of the plot. The plot of Revenge of the Sith R2 is, won the day. Is, oh, my God. He's the whole movie. <laughs> if you're going to ask me to dissect the movie, uh, the Revenge of the Sith, the uh, main character, R2-D2. What do you do? Smart enough to stay away from the bullshit going on around him. That's a hero, Paul. Okay, so we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Okay, okay. Yeah, this is America. You can be wrong. Right. Um, right. Uh, I, you can't have. Um, Why? Well, no, you. Okay. Here, here's a sort of a, a proof. Okay. Spider-Man: No Way Home. Okay. I would argue perhaps the most successful of all of the Marvel quote unquote movies. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I loved it alongside everyone else. I, I don't think we've we've had this talk in such a way that our virtual friends have overheard it. Uh, which, you know, given the bones at question is is worth mentioning. Right. But uh, yeah, I definitely think it was the best overall Marvel movie. I think it felt the most spiritually like something that was taking source material. And then creating a real movie from it. And even though it speaks of, of a larger universe, right? Uh, in the same way that you could pick up Amazing Spider-Man number 138 and then collect every issue afterward and generally know what's going on, I think the movie had that same punch. Yeah, I mean, I personally think I like Winter Soldier better. 
I really oh. like what you don't like Winter Soldier. No, I like it fine. I'm yeah. just being contrary. Oh, it was a perfectly good movie. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's what you're talking about. It's a real movie. Yeah. It's not really a comedic. You know, fan winking. But then think about the movies that come afterwards. Well, that's different. You know, any of them that could then say they drew heavily from the content of Winter Soldier, uh, that's where I would suggest those aren't necessarily real movies. They are indeed, as sweet, sweet Scorsese said so long ago, rides in an amusement park. Oh, oh, Uh, you're shaking your head no. No, I don't agree with that. All right, Paul, let let me reel it back a bit here. Backing up. I would have gone beep, 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 but then I remembered, you know, we have a sound guy. Right, right. right. <laughs> you keep forgetting that. <laughs> um, uh, we, we back it up a bit. No, I actually agree with, the, with what the fan base perceives as opponents of the current wave of genre films. The suggestion that they are not films, recognizing that film does carry a certain strength or judgment with it. They are more like very cool toys, video games, or amusement parks. And prove me wrong, America. I mean, I, 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 think, I, have, think, I think it's, I think, um, there are a few of a, them that here and there stand. And I will tell you that as a result, this was the point I was going to make before, that as much as I think that it's the most successful Marvel movie in terms of storytelling and spirit and the rest of it, my favorite Marvel movie is The Eternals. Oh, God, yeah. Got an old god from that. That's uh... That movie stands tall and on its own. It is the most faithful to the source material. Yeah, I'm well aware they turned one character into a ship that wasn't a ship. And obviously the deviants work in an entirely different way. And they're not robots. But you know that, you know, see how nerdy that sounds when you say those two things? Right, right, right. That's because those are very nerdy concerns. Right. Once we eliminate the 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 arrested nerd complaint and just look at it as a movie it's a pretty engaging movie and the ties that it puts forward of you know sleeper characters are more compelling to me than we're gonna call ourselves the avengers and you're all supposed to clap because someone said avengers in a movie theater i hate that aspect of these films that they are they insist upon themselves just because you've had a previous commitment to this thing, they know you're going to walk up to that bar already convinced you like the thing and you're hoping that it just doesn't hurt your feelings enough that you're going to have to be embarrassed. But I don't think it. that's, I don't think it, that's Does that true. give the audience credit? It doesn't sound like it does. I think, I no, think, I'm trying to bring out what I feel is the very true evil of the marketing behind it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and I, the presentation. I'll give you that, but I don't think. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is not the same movie as Civil War, you know, or Infinity War. Oh, and it's is, it's the a same great movie. movie uh, and it's a testament to the movie that when you bring people that aren't invested in comics to watch that, they'd say, "Hey, that was like a, a, a fun Star Wars movie." Right. It's a successful movie. Right. It's yeah, like I said, there's more than one, and I I love it a lot. And James Gunn. If you ever need any life-saving organ, a kidney, a lung, maybe even my heart, depending on the mood of the day, it's yours, buddy. It's yours. You are the king of all men. Peacemaker was a gift that we all share as a people. That was a great show. Marron. Such a Very, very good show. Highly recommend watching it. We'll we'll definitely talk about it some more at some point, if not tonight. Uh, I love everything he's done. And uh, seems like a real solid character. And and after meeting his 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 paramour through the Peacemaker show, oh yeah yeah, 
Uh, he needs to stay alive to honor that relationship. Mm. That, that's where I'm at. And if I got to take the hit, I will. God bless them both. If you ever want a third in your bed. Now, that all having been said, <laughs> uh, I love the Guardians movies, but I love the first one. I liked the next one. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it turns into the slop show. It's we're going to drag in disparate elements that don't really match all that well. These actors, these characters, and this director are likable enough that they've put together a perfectly serviceable movie. But I'm here to tell you before the Lord himself and all of his merry cherubim, it is stupid that Ego was Star-Lord's father. Oh, yeah, that was a that Spoiler! Was a fan, that was a fan... Uh, Edition. Oh, I don't want to say fan fiction because he made the movie, but you could tell that James Gunn wanted Star Lord's father to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And in the comics, his dad is just a king of a race that we never really heard of mm-hmm. that doesn't show up again until after the Guardians movie mm-hmm. came out. Starts and- calling himself by a supervillain name that was just so bankrupt of any creativity it offended me. Right. Mr. Knife. Right. And I have no idea. Derp. I don't I'm not gonna attempt to pronounce the name of his alien race because I'm gonna mispronounce. It's like it's Spartax. P- Is it the Spartax? I Spar- thought it was, it was like the it became it began with a P. Um But no, when I heard Ego, and was James Gunn also going around saying, you know, Ego's not Martinez. What? Did uh <laughs> Was James Gunn going around saying that Ego wasn't his dad, and then he and then lied, obviously? I, 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 I don't know. I, the closest I could come to answering was, that is two years before the movie came out. Well, forever before the movie came out. I, I don't want to throw an actual period of time out. I was, of course, following him on Facebook, like all good-hearted people. And he put up uh, some storyboard art, and he's no one will figure out what this is. And as Facebook can testify, if you go back and find that posting... You will see one young hero who said, well, you know, based on the arc of the the sides of this weird chasm, I bet you it's Ego the Living Planet. Now, I, I did not know anything about the movie. Right. This was well in advance. And uh, yeah, there you go. The post never came down, but nobody reacted to it. So uh, again, it is evidence of, of my, my awesome powers of predilection. But I will suggest that perhaps... Uh, they should have at that point said, well, hold on here. Now, granted, this is Keith Charlesfield. Not everyone is going to possess his keen mind and eye and be able to figure out what we are witnessing here as protoplasm heaving in on itself. But if he figured it out, he may share it with others. Let's change the movie to something more dignified. Now, they went full steam ahead on this thing. So, America, I'm sorry you had to deal with a stupid ego for a father. But I did the best I could for all of it. And have you heard about the plot hole now the Eternals has made? Uh, I've, I've heard e- a lot of... Ego impregnated the planet, but the planet was already impregnated with a celestial. Eh. So how many how many babies are in the center of the Earth? Well, there's there, a stillborn baby. There's two and, stillborn babies. Uh, there's two stillborn babies. Yeah. <laughs> so. And when they emerge, whoo! I, I, I hope Thanos is son is involved now where do you think that's going to get resolved because they're not making no eternals too well here's the thing obviously i'm the only person that liked the movie and and i i I could go on at greater length about it but i prefer to instead to stand as an inflammatory statement that will make whoever decides they enjoy this show enough to listen to it on multiple occasions say i like you paul but you should really have me co-host with you because that guy's a dick he doesn't like nothing he gets everything wrong i think he said fritz freeling 
or actually, I think it's so at one point I, I might have misspoken and said Fritz Lang created Woody Woodpecker. Oh. And, and let me tell you something. I want to see that Woody Woodpecker. There's no way where anyone he, in he's, our demographic He's some sort of uh, 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 steampunk monstrosity, that Woody Woodpecker. He's, he's running the metropolis. Uh, there's a cruel dwarf repairing mechanisms in his back. What were you saying there? Uh, I completely forgot what, oh, I, what I was going to say. I will but, say uh, that I will say that I I get what you're saying about the committee or the Marvel committee or or, or if it's Disney proper, but I th- I think that after Spider Man and now doc- upcoming Doctor Strange, sure, I'm hoping that they're trying to make these movies more movie-like in terms of having a a story it's not gimmicky ultimately i'm not going to sit here and bitch because they're calling shuma gorath by a different name in the upcoming movie which is probably a legal thing yeah because who cares you know it's it's whatever the character's spirit is if it's a movie in the same way that i don't want it to be so reliant on the other movies in the pool uh mechanically or emotionally um but continuity wise fine i also don't want anybody to restrict themselves but i also don't understand the point of paying a billion dollars to play in somebody else's toy box and then not use those specific toys at least resembling those figures since they were good enough to spend a billion dollars on don't be apologetic about them well, it's why it, i get furious about the lack of supervillains because oh that's such a, a an old and and silly idea well they also merge. so let's take off baron zemo's mask they also, it's not a question of not being polite to the franchise it's a question of getting the spirit of the thing right go on they also they no they also ideas. merge villains a lot which i don't understand i don't think yeah. it's ever been addressed by any let's buy 5000 characters so we can grind them into two yeah and this doesn't make sense this just happened again uh, I feel like oh, it might be. It, it basically was happening during the shows. Uh, Loki, yeah, merged like the Enchantress with yes, you know the female Loki. You know, These ultimately, are not, it's you know, crazy. this is a good forum for me to just make this statement. <clears throat> Hello, oh, prepare prepare name, yourselves, everyone. My name is Keith Charlesfield. I, I I'm a lovely man, despite what you may have come to believe by now. And, and when you tell Paul that you think I should go away, I want you to know you're breaking my heart because I love you more than I can possibly say. Now, in the spirit of that love, know that it, the Enchantress was originally a Silver Age villainess and an enemy of Thor, uh, femme fatale, very neat character, uh, member of the Masters of Evil, a perennial villain, okay? Always fighting the Avengers. Any hero at some point or another had to deal with the the Enchantress. Also Enchantress 2, because that's her name. Then, then, Mm -hmm. in the uh, 2000s, there was a creator who launched a book called uh, The Young Masters. And the premise of this book, it was meant to be a companion book to the successful Young Avengers books, which is its own thing, and I'm sure many of you have heard about that by now. That's likely the direction all the Marvel stuff is building into. And it's okay, because it has my little Haley in it, and she's ever so perfect. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, so it, the idea was a new team of teenage villains based on various classic Avengers villains gathered together to oppose the Avengers. And I got very excited at this as a villains guy, because there's going to be a new Egghead. And I love Egghead. Egghead is good. Um, both Eggheads, Marvels and DCs. They should team up. 
So there was a new enchantress. Egg Fu should be involved as well. There was a new enchantress okay. in this group. So there was a new enchantress in this group. And she claimed to be like the, the sister da- or daughter, daughter or niece. I, no, I think it's daughter. I think she even messed it up a couple of times yeah. in the story because the flip side was she wasn't actually a god. No, she's a human. Yeah, she's she was human. just a mutant who had some charm powers and her name was Sylvie Lushton. Yep. So this character appeared during that miniseries, which was not well received by anyone, including Keith Field, because I wanted a nice, straightforward story that was going to give me a teenage melter, not some piece of garbage with teenage drama and character development. Paul, it's very important to me that there is a living melter in the Marvel Universe at all times. I believe there is. And there are currently four. So I'm very comfortable with the condition of the Marvel Universe. Right. But at the time, it broke my heart. But, you know, Sylvie was the girlfriend of the Melter. Now, I want you to remember that. Sylvie was the girlfriend of the Melter. Now, and he was a stupid Melter. He wanted to be a superhero. He shouldn't want that. He should want to melt things. You do the legacy of Bruno Horgan proud when you melt something cruelly. I feel like we're going off the rails here. This is the rail we should have always been on. Look, I love the Scourge more than I love virtually anyone that I'm related to by blood. Mm. But it was a mistake when he killed the original Melter. And who killed him? A man who normally would hold my unwitting and and, and undying respect, Mr. Roger Stern. He died in the bar? He didn't die in the bar. No, yeah, he got shot in the face. You should know where he died, Paul. You know what? Wasn't in an X-Men book, so that's Oh, wasn't it? Wasn't it? No, no, it wasn't. That's Okay, that's that's your second clue. It wasn't in an X-Men book per se, but I'm going to counter with any X-Men fan should know the issue or at least the series in which the original Melter was killed by the Scourge of the Underworld. Shots fired. That's right. I'm throwing it down right now. And if you fail, you lose two Keith points off of your X-Men fandom meter, which at this point, despite what you may believe, I have maintained it 100% for you, Paul. I consider you an unflagging fan of the X franchises. This is going to bring it down to a 98. He got shot in the face in Alpha Flight? When did the word shot in the face ever leave my mouth? I don't don't know. Editor, you're supposed to deal with what I'm giving you, not what you think I'm giving you. Again, the Mandela effect. Was it Alpha Flight? That's a guess, and it's a poor one. See, I I wouldn't hold you accountable to any Alpha Flight story after Byrne left the book. I mean, there's no... Because it was all vomit. I can't wait to hear what... There's not one good Alpha Flight story after Byrne leaves Marvel. And even those stories aren't all that great. I can't wait to what you think is an X-Men required How about the return of your precious Jean Grey in the pages of the Avengers slash Fantastic Four? There's no way that matters. Two-part crossover. That does not matter at all. Oh, my God! (laughs) That is not a thing. Suddenly, they, we we're so far away from movies, but it's the greatest it, tragedy of all. You're down a, to an 87 there's a, on the Keithometer for X-Men fans. There's a trade paperback called The Return of Jean Grey that does not have those issues. You're down to 82%. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the Marvel's You're the one. You're almost a C-grade X-Men fan. The Marvel... Listen. editorial team came up with that or collected uh, editions team oh my god there is i have swallowed so much vomit in the past isn't it just like two pages listen to me number one gene gray was dead for how many years oh, wow. she comes back in the pages of that two package uh-huh the john ca- Byrne does some of his loveliest work and it is here where his pervy nature starts to leak out big time because at one point gene's resurrection causes everything in avengers mansion to start to float around and bob and there's a panel of Sue smiling in a sexual way as the bed begins to flow, going, hmm, read. 
It's delightful. All right. All it's right. delightful. He, he's a filthy man. You know, these little these little actions that he was barely able to get in books really indicate just how randy that man right. was when he wrote his book. So to get, I love you, John. So to get You're back, the closest thing I've ever been given to a third stepfather. And by get, to get back on track, too, uh, the third character that was merged with Sylphie in Loki okay. Okay. is female so, yes. Loki. So this is the thing, is that back in that Young Avengers book, we had this Sylvie Lushton character. She's never seen again. A couple of writers later, they, they're looking for obscure villains to put in their series. They choose her. She winds up in a book called The Illuminati, which never should have been made. It had nothing to do with the Illuminati at Marvel. It was a bad supervillain team-up book. Should have been called The Masters of Evil. That's neither here nor there. Uh, and then she showed up during one of those Defenders books that I assume somebody reads. It was the one where they were all girls. Yeah. And, I and assume... they fought all girls. Yeah, but uh, the female Loki is when Loki was inhabiting Sif's so, body. Yeah. after all that, the, the Thor office likes to kill all the gods in Ragnarok events every two minutes. Right. Uh, so it was one of the 14 Ragnaroks that have happened in the past seven right. years. Uh, after that whole kerfuffle, uh, the gods came back in different bodies. For those of you keeping score, that's the third time Marvel's done that. Right. Um, but, uh, you can certainly argue it's the first time that you had Hollywood level talent, uh, uh handling it. It was specifically, uh, Straczynski. Like Straczynski, yeah. Who was a fan, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was a good run. Up until, like so many others, the, the conflict between editorial and writing, you know, took it in two different directions. And we wound up with Od- Norman Osborn attacking Osgood. Right. But um, it, when Loki came back, he came back as a woman. And it was solid. It was exciting. It was cool. Right. And I don't think he was really allowed to take the story where he wanted to, which certainly wasn't it's Loki's soul-possessing Sif. You know, well, yeah, there's no way that was a thing. No. And, and, but it was such a popular spike for the character. People really dug the female Loki. Eh, it was a shame. So you've taken these three concepts and merged them all together. The real Enchantress, this pretender Enchantress, who at the end of one of the storylines was taken by the real Enchantress and thrown into hell. Right. And then just the idea of the female Loki. And all of those things merged together into the character we got on the show. Now, is she a delightful character? I say yes. I, I very much I like agree. the Loki yeah. show. She was smart and sexy. And if we get something that's fun at the other end of things, then... You know, mazel tov. Right. However, again, why spend a billion dollars if this is what we're going to do? If we're going to turn a thousand toys into two? No, and I agree. Uh, I mean, other... I, I remember very early on with Iron Man 2. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, combining Crimson Dynamo with Whiplash Ugh. was just the Gah. weirdest thing. And they and they also refused... <sighs> based on the trailers, people already pieced it together yeah. and they're like oh no no it's whiplash it's not a it's not a it's, it has nothing to do with crimson dynamo except it is everything now, now this is crimson where i kind of go counter to my argument that i i don't care i don't want things meshing together into such a tight mesh kind of go against it but i think the truly enlightened will understand if anything i've supported it more shoot um in iron man one there is a, a whiplash character it's the call sign of an airplane that is chasing Iron Man. Oh, and, I didn't and even notice. Yeah. Whiplash one, whiplash pulling off. That's good filmmaking. That's good storytelling. That is a fine way to spiritually utilize something that isn't terribly uh, uh, offensive to the core. Right. What is what is Whiplash? Uh, any one of three characters uh, whose names and costumes changed a billion times, motivation shifted constantly. Go ahead and play, replace them with an airplane because airplanes are cool. Yeah, but then you have the second. <laughs> but then you have the second movie. Then the second movie comes, comes and we get a whiplash. Right. So that alone is the kind of movie continuity that bothers me, as opposed to nerd continuity. Okay, that's fair. So apparently the story was that at that time, 
as as the and and let me say big fan of Mr. John Favreau. Uh, didn't think I was until I learned he's just the kind of guy you want to be the caretaker and custodian of, Star Wars. of, the, of any beloved of anything, franchise. Yeah, the guy gets it, man. You know, I I I tend to see someone who is playing the Hollywood game as being self-serving and mercenary and all the rest of it. And then at some point along the line, you have to drop that weird judgment and be like, and wouldn't you be? Yeah. Have you watched it? <laughs> you know, I, I, I highly recommend Chef. That's his movie. Oh, I dug Chef. That was very, it, very well done. It was a little on the nose, but it was a good movie. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very Now, John, good. if you're listening, <laughs> my only real problem with Chef is is my problem with most of Mr. Favreau's movies that he casts himself in. Oh, God. You're not nailing Scarlett Johansson and friggin' uh, What's-Her-Face from, from Modern Family. Modern Family. Maron. John, you're a lovely man. I'll give you a pass. I'll, I'll, I'll let you experience the, 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 the magic and the mystery that is the Carnival of Keith. But the fact is, no, sorry, maybe not. You I, th- know? I think that's artistic and, and, license, and, but I get you. It's a little much. But no, he showed himself to be more than apt, but Marvel had put together an advisory committee of their shiny top-tier talent. Uh, what, what did they used to call them? The architects? The arch- I think it's the architects, yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds which time artists, has borne out who deserves their Eisner awards and who doesn't. Which but are, it was a wasn't that a gross program in your opinion when they named them all the architects? Are we talking about the uh, For, because the architects were advising Hollywood? Yeah, and they dis, they disband that whole. Group. Yeah, it was wise to disband yeah. it because if you're not one of the fourteen guys who are part of that drinking club. I'm going to feel kind of left out of the reindeer games. I also, I, I also, I hope, hope they were nice to Dan Slott. I, <laughs> Dan, you're my hero, Dan. I, I hope they were kind to you. I, I will say too, that I'm a big, like, I like the entire history of Marvel. Sure. And very quickly we skipped all the way to like early exactly. 2000s stories. Exactly. Uh, I and, wanted to linger in the silver age. Cause again, why compress decades do into you, one decade? I mean, you know, you but see how these unifying theories I've, I feel like people. So solidly. I feel like people don't realize that there's going from the first Captain America movie mm-hmm. right to Winter Soldier. Even mm-hmm. though I love Winter Soldier and mm-hmm. I love Civil War, it's insane to me that they did that. I it's suppose insane. the counterpoint would be say, "Well, we did get Baron Zemo in name, if not in character." Well, yeah, but people do love Zemo. Like, well, they love him. I'm talking about that movie, Paul. Right, because right, right. they did salvage and repair, quote unquote, as much as they needed to the Baron Zemo character in that right. uh, Falcon Winter Soldier show, which I kind of wish was just called Baron Zemo, and it was about his rollicking we all, adventures. We all do, even if it was just one episode, because you went just long enough to forget that you wanted to do a good job. You did it went just long enough to abandon the entire structure of storytelling. And make a speech on a street corner. Now, did you... And outside of Brewster's Millions, I don't want to see that. Now, did you see that all the uh, Netflix shows are going to be on Marvel? On, I did. Uh, I just, that was just today, right? Surprising. Yeah, surprising. It's wacky. So no more censoring. Uh, left to me, I just shoot all those masters into the sun. But I think it's cool that they're saying, here's the garbage that we created and bought, to, uh, that we bought along with this. Right, right, right. Uh, because make no mistake, uh, and, and you know, I suppose this has been my day of being somewhat contentious, but I proudly say this. There's nothing good about any of it. Any of it. Oh, that's not. Except n- for the first season and a half 
of Daredevil. Yeah, and I think I think you won't. Oh, did get I just fights. hear a yeah? You won't get fights with that. Did uh, I hear a yeah? No, no, I agree. All right, I Paul. Agree with that. You I know what? I'm going to give you a pity point. You're up to an 83% fan of the Sweet. X-Men on the cathometer. Sweet. <laughs> good. Uh, good. I will say yeah. Hey, the, Paul, name all the the members of Factor Three. Because oh. at this point, I'm a little annoyed with you. So I, I want to cause oh, you some problems. God, Come on, Factor Three, ladies and gentlemen. Well, for those of you who know, well, there were no good no. stories to tell about the X-Men in the Silver Age. The creators just didn't know what to do with them. They're fighting El Tigre. And that's why it's the I best era. Best era of the X Men. They're fighting Quasimodo. They're fighting the Cobalt Man. And uh, in this mix, in this time of uh, odd stories, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants had exclusively been the foes for the first dozen issues. They tried to bring back that same fun with a new villain terrorist organization, largely made up by the same mutants. But uh, yeah, it had a few unique members, and and you as a hundred percenter should easily be able to tell me the core members Blob. of Factor Three. Okay, Blob is number one. Eunice. Eunice is number two. Mastermind. Mastermind is on the team. And then Mutant Master is the Mutant Master is the leader. Is the leader. Good. Um, those are the three, the main three. Well, you well are those the main three? Because you yeah. give me four. Yeah, those are the main. The uh, Mutant Master is the is the is the main. Okay, bad so you're guy. saying he's the boss, and, and then, the, then these are your the main three. The three underlings are are okay. Okay, know. grade F. Now, Paul. He, Paul, this I, I don't oh. want I, you. You really failed. I thought you were saying a grade F like character. I'm like, no, there's no, no grade you, F. You sir, here. you sir, F, F, and 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 right now you're thinking, oh, Keith's just being a dick, and yeah, I am. You but dick. you are going to be so ashamed of yourself as I continue, and I, 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 I if you want to cry, don't rather, say the banshee. Rather than just say, oh yeah, I should have known that. So I will begin. What were you about to say, Paul? You're about to say banshee, and I'm gonna like go over that. There, okay, he's, so, so he the, was a brainwashed hero who is not really a villain. Okay, so the first character I'm going to choose is Changeling. Changeling was a mutant who could change shape. Yeah. Who is best known and remembered for two reasons. Number one, Professor X in a bizarre and almost Nazi-like move of eugenic horror erased his memory and changed him to believe that he was Professor X. Now, granted, he volunteered for this. So that when the aliens Knox attacked the Earth, they'd kill him instead of Professor X. Right. And, you know, is that an oversimplification? Not really. That's it. Uh, number two, uh, for that character specifically, uh, I'll add the sidebar of, he's also the inspiration of your precious morph from your ghastly X-Men 90s cartoon that I love ever so much, but still use words like ghastly to describe. Well, it's the like anima- Damnation that's Alley the an- that way. That's the animation yes, style. Exactly. Um, so th- the fact that you couldn't recognize Morph's attachment to Factor 3. Number two, Banshee was indeed a member of Factor 3. He was brainwashed. And if you want me to nerd it up, go read one of your precious Marvel appendixes, which under group affiliation will always list Factor F and 3. No, I never... Okay, I never, okay whatever, I X-Men. Never... Here's the one. This is the only one I needed to say. Boom. Short answer. Ogre. Done. You're going to tell me the other Another henchman that uh, yeah. nobody cares about? Oh, really? He is the only true member of Factor 3. The mutant master was a squid from space. That's true. The ogre. Beautiful character. He's a fat guy in a purple suit. I've been a fat guy in a We've purple suit. We've never seen him ever get... Oh, it's a, oh a really, Paul? Because it seems to me that like myself, a, a, a true fan of the medium... Mr. Kurt Busick, whose last name I can't pronounce properly, so I just say Busick. I, I don't actually. How do you say the gentleman's it's, last name? It's Kurt Busick. Is it Busick? It's Busiek. Is it Busiek or Busick? Those are two separate no, words. No, it's Kurt Busiek. 
It's Busia. Yeah, All right, Paul. That's the third way you've pronounced it. Right. So I think I'm right to start with a qualifier like here's what I call him. From this point forward, I will call him only Curdy B. And I will make up cute songs about him like, uh, (laughs) let's see. My my cute song pool has now been activated. All right. Curdy B, one, two, three. You're as tall as a little tree. See? That's okay nice then. Song. That's what. That's this is the person I'm getting yelled at about obscure anyway, X Men continuity. He returned the ogre to prominence and in his Thunderbolt series, and then killed him. When we learned that the th- well, the Thunderbolts headquarters was the previous headquarters of Factor Three. Yeah. So I would have given you partial credit if you even mentioned the Thunderbolts living in their house. You didn't let me finish. To uh, be fair. And 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 I'll ask the the audience because I know they're hanging on this thing with as much rapt emotional attention as myself. Did he say Vanisher when he named the villains? The no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Oh, good work, Paul. I let you throw yourself on that blade yourself. I just I felt it would have had a little more dramatic effect if they both stood up and said no. And I'm really sick by the fact that he has it <laughs> because Vanisher was what set it off. Vanisher was never a member of the Brotherhood. He was a member of Factor Three. Uh, at, at any rate. Hold on. Gordon has used his cell phone right. to access bizarre information. Right, but, but he, he's showing to Paul, so he's either trying to shame Paul past all imagining or assist him as some back market. I mean, black to, market, it, to uh, be fair, uh, they said Banshee putting o- bullets in a sad They're gun. saying Banshee and Ogre are agents, not members, which are two oh, different so things. So agents of Hydra are not members of Hydra. No, they're just no, no, they're like no, freelancers. What are they? Lutherans? They're, what are they, Paul? They're usually just used as uh, you know, freelance henchmen type of uh, thing. So, so they're not so members. They, they belong to the, the the unified order of hench. I mean, but it seems to me <laughs> when when Curdy B returned the character he referred to his time with with factor three his membership with factor three i mean agencies and affiliation i'm looking at the my god the the photo of the uh just so you know u.s agent has no affiliation with the united states ladies and gentlemen when they show the members of factor three for for underwear stings the only four members are mutant master eunice blob and mastermind Uh, so they're the main members let's uh, let's open up the editorial page because i'm willing to bet it's going to be a, a user by the name of XFan 100% P, and that P you know stood for Paul, because he's putting erroneous information on as a half-baked it's Wikipedia a, contributor. It's an art. It's from the, I'm assuming it's the annual. I don't know what Wait, it is. Wait, is he looking at Comics Vine? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh! Yeah. I take yeah. back every word I said. I don't need to say a thing. Comics Vine is trash. Pass Ooh. it on. I'm kidding. I use Comics Vine all the time. Comics Vine is good for the uh, for cataloging fine. what issues actually, people are yeah, in. Yeah, I'll tell you what I used it for recently. Uh, I went with uh, uh, my my special friend to a comic book shop recently, and on a whim picked up the first two little digest volumes of of Spider Gwen: The Adventures. Oh of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. Gwen Stacy, because I love that little character, and I'd read the book, but of course, being a problemed individual, I gave away the book some time ago and missed it. So like, ah, that's cool. I'll pick this up. And, and try to see, you know, and I haven't read it for the past couple of, because it's one of these Marvel books that comes out in arcs of like a dozen issues and then goes away. So I hadn't read her last two series. So I sat down and tried to puzzle out, because they've launched so many of these series, what order they all came in and what volume was it's what. Difficult. Because I was buying trades, of course. I, I don't buy uh, monthlies anymore or papers. And uh, Comics Vine was the Rosetta Stone mm-hmm. that I was mm-hmm. able to utilize to collect my little waifu in, in all of her appearances. Comics Vine is very good. I, the only thing I don't like, if for those who don't know, they're a website that um, 
lists every appearance of every character. Yeah, in but comics. apparently they really screwed things up. In the matter of fact, of three. Well, comics vine, you need to fix that. They all you're shaming yourself. An agent is a member of an organization. So, bef- be- so besides their uh, screw up here, yes. uh, they include international. Uh, yes, they do. Comics, which is very confusing, because Great Britain. And, you know, it looks like anything in the UK looks like American comics, except for, like, there'll be a pound sign or something. Sure. So you don't really know what's a real book and what it isn't. It wasn't always the case, though, because I'm sure you remember, like, well, in the older. 70s days, when it would be like, Daredevils. Yeah. And but it, it would be three reprints and then some black and white nobody liked. Right, but from the 90s up, it's just, you know, here's a cover of Salvador LaRocca's yeah. X-Men, and you're like, what X-Men series is this? Have I ever shown you my Russian copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 300? I don't think you're allowed to own that anymore. Well, so. uh, I certainly don't, America. It's it's a delight. It really is. I, I was hoping that the products inside would be uniquely Russian, so it would be uh, a table with a potato sitting in the middle Ru- of it. Were they not? Or were they just... <laughs> just the single Russian word, now. Right, right. Um, what was that episode of Simpsons with like oh, all we got are these Russian cartoons and they're like these horrible Worker and Parasite. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh god. It was. <laughs> it was when Ren. Uh, uh, Ren I was gonna say Ren and Stimpy. Oh, and that, that would have been the ultimate multiversal well, Simpsons. No, but that Ren and Stimpy took the wait, place of wait, Itchy wait, and Scratchy. You know, there's. I'm Ren, working it into my erotic fan. Fiction. You know, there's a Ren and Stimpy clip in Simpsons, right? Oh yeah, yeah. There it is was a when, clip. Uh, Bart lied to get a big brother. Right, right. And then uh, how that actually there are two major references to it. It was that, that how that happened. I have no idea. Well, John K had a good relationship with the Simpsons. Yeah, but Nickelodeon let him do that. Yeah, it was well, it's exposure for the Nickelodeon show backward. I suppose. I mean, it was great. He had a good relationship with them up until recently. He even did a bunch of those alternate openings for the Simpsons. Well, every yeah, everybody was doing you know, those openings. You meet Best a lot thing- of people on Epstein Island, don't you guys? Oof. That would be kind of destructive to my career if I had any interest of going to Hollywood. Allegedly, because that is also a legal thing. Allegedly. (laughs) Oh, what? Did I not say allegedly? No, no. I think I did. I think it's in Oh, now you said it. It doesn't matter. All I said. Now, let's think about what I said. Did I say that any of the producers, creatives, or writing staff of The Simpsons were in any way affiliated with Jeffrey Epstein? I don't think I did. I said, guys, (laughs) you run into a lot of people, interesting people on Epstein Island. Did I bring up the fact that John Kay is a known, uh, perhaps, uh, naughty man in, in the subject of naughtiness? Alleged. Uh, alleged. Well, there's this place called court, and once things are decided there, they're not alleged anymore. Oh, but that's not the kind of conversation we're having here. I'm not going to throw out a random word like 13 or years or even old. I'm, I'm not going to talk about. Uh, Was he convicted? He never went to jail. But, you know, they did take down the Ren and Stimpy portraits at Nickelodeon. But I'm not saying any of that has to do with with John Kay. Because the fact is, I love John Kay. He draws the best boxes, box art for Quisp cereal you'll ever see. What's, who's the other? Because that, that was not canceled. Who's he the, gets to draw his cereal illustrations on the back who's of Quisp the other, uh, Who's the other animator that isn't uh, an alleged? Uh, no, I, I'm, I didn't suggest John Kay. Who's the, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, is it? Am I thinking of the right person? Bob Camp is that a guy? Bob Camp was another animator. He was, for as Ren far as Stim- I'm concerned, he was for Ren- he was yeah, the fist of Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. Yeah, I knew that. Uh, Bob what was Camp. that weird comic he did? It was it, 
was a spoof of like Kirby. Big Blown Baby. It was for, oh, no for idea. Dark Horse. No idea. It, it crossed over with uh, Baby Hellboy. Oh, it had the artwork like it ran in stim- like the. And it was full of characters yeah. who were all like takeoffs of Odin and Galactus, like sitting on toilets. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. very funny. I, I liked it very much. I like Bob Camp. Thumbs up. I like Ren and Stimpy very much too. Thumbs up for that. And I'm a big John K. fan of most of his body of work. Most. I, I won't make a cute pun or clever right. exchange right. there. I, I think we've danced around it enough. But I would like to point out again, I've never suggested that John K. Uh, and and anyone affiliated with the Simpsons program in any way had anything to do with uh, a, a certain real-world horrifying supervillain's island of sexual nope. carnage and terror. Moving uh, right along. <laughs> Moving right along, uh, you pointed out uh, I've made a recent change to the uh, decor here in our studio. I have uh, no. decorated one of the overhanging walls with the uh, boxes and containers of a very specific brand of DVD and Blu-ray motion picture, specifically the... 70s independent, the, <laughs> low-budget the, 70s independent film. Some would suggest a mix of porn and exploitation films, and I'd say, well, that's, that's your truth. But, but I, I shall say art, but the common thread that, that, that hangs here is, of course, they are all films that have been restored and are currently distributed by Vinegar Syndrome, uh, the, the film company of love sent to save us all from ourselves. Free plug. Free plug for them. I bend the knee at that place at least twice a month. Uh, so that I can see the pornography on the lowest shelves being offered in their base <laughs> here in Connecticut. I, I speak, of course, of the archive in lovely Bridgeport, Connecticut, where uh, it is the home base of this internationally known distributor of the finest and salvaged art. And now we, we have that hanging on the wall. Um, at any rate, uh, I would... I directed our attention here for a reason. Don't know what that could possibly be. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, yes. One of these films uh, is a a movie that just came out recently. The the whole world of, of, as we like to call ourselves, mutants uh, who enjoy this sort of thing has been buzzing about this movie. And I'm sorry to say I didn't particularly care for it. It it was called The the Scary of 69. No idea. It's an independent horror film. It, it, I know the 69, all right, now. But yeah, it is kind of dirty. Uh, it's, it's, however, it's a very independent, intentional exploitation film. Uh, modern. It was just made right. this year. It's about these girls who wind up moving into an apartment that was formerly that of Jeffrey Epstein. Whoa. And <laughs> Epstein's ghost begins to influence and possess the girls. And turn them perverted. It's not really um, how ghosts work. It's it's an R-rated film. Uh, <laughs> it, it, there is some erotic charge, but it's not. You know, it doesn't go too far. Someone may put their hand against the the, the address panel of, of Epstein's apartment, and while holding the number, masturbate. So you know, you can certainly decide if if that's triggering or negative for you. But there's actual dialogue of someone playing Epstein, possessing a new body, oh. and talking to his aide de camp there. What was her name? Mrs. Locke? No idea. No, that was Arcade. Yeah, um, I was going to say, wait, that sounds familiar. <laughs> she, uh, she had a good James Bond villain major dono. Domo it's like name. Maxwell something. I forget. It was Gislaine. Yes, thank you. Perfect. Yeah. I, I I was going to go with Madame Fang. I thought that was more to the point. Oof. But, uh, the, the, right, yeah. Uh, and the, the, I, she's not dead, though. Right? No, she's not dead yet. Okay. There, there was, you know, some. some <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah. Not yet. Uh, watch out when they hand you the mop there, honey. That's your indicator of where things are headed. 
Um, the uh, it, Someone is possessed by one of the victims who's into it. Very disturbing stuff. Is one of the victims dead? Uh, I assume... I, I mean that 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 magical party was going on for a very <laughs> I long think you time. Might be right. I mean, long enough that there could exist a political climate in which President Bill Clinton and President Donald Trump are each sitting at a table with Mr. Epstein on his island. That's not alleged. It's just a picture. I'm certainly not suggesting anything untoward about either of those morally upright so, individuals. So you're saying this movie it sucks. It certainly doesn't make the best statement about the futility of a two-party system that I've ever seen put to film. But, yeah, no, it, it didn't suck. It just it kind of fell short of the mark for me. And because, believe it or not, our topic was generally movies, I, I felt I needed to kind of come back to film because we were talking about friends of that ghost. I'm not suggesting that in the sequel, various members of the Simpsons staff might get their own little host bodies to populate. But uh, yeah, it, 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 that, that really bothered me. That, okay. That reveal. That's fa- I mean, that's fair, I guess, in, in, guess. in, a, weird, guess. in a weird tangent three, three listen, tangents ago. Listen. Now, obviously, we were talking about the, uh, the Marvel movies. Very quickly, um, I, I, we went in a lot of directions. That's the point of this program. Because that way we canvas more of the ocean to pull back the delicious krill and plankton with a lighter net. Well, a lot of people are talking but, about. What was I was saying a lot. Of, a lot of people were talking about uh, thunderbolts now because you know Marvel yeah. has announced anything for right. in the next year or something. Well, my, my preamble there was to say that I realized that I, I you know, obviously, given the wandering nature of the conversation, maybe we didn't focus or make a true point about the right. movies, or maybe even sound a little hypocritical, or at least I know I have. That's that's the, the the burden of being such a passionate individual. The fact is that that reliance on I don't want anybody to mistake the idea that I dislike the idea of the intertwined continuity because that's why the movies work. That's why I love them. That's why the Warner Brothers stuff will never work until it starts building a singular continuity. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and if someone is going to be the the overall high muckety muck of that continuity, it's Paul Santos. Uh, I am going to suggest <laughs> that in this case, a man who did not from memory easily start a list of the membership of Factor Three with Ogre should not be handed the reins of creative control. Instead, look on the other side of that table. You look to the man who is now an adult, small, ladies and gentlemen. Big flex there. I. Uh, <laughs> Melting away. I mean, like, I've, like been, adult, I've been an adult small, like, since I turned 18. Yes, so. but you've lived a healthy life. Oh. I've made real mistakes, Paul. This is... <laughs> the happiest memory I have of my mother is watching Damnation Alley. No. We watched America's sweetheart Paul Winfield die in a roach motel. Literally. Now, uh, it's not the continuity I object to. The continuity is what I demand. It's what makes the, right. the, the Marvel movies what they make. It's that need to divorce yourself from the source material, not because you are better, quote unquote, than it or more mature than it. It's that you be- you don't give your audience enough credit to think that because the, the born in audience, obviously, is the genre fan. Right. That you think they are so removed from just the normal human enjoyment of storylines, ideas and anything that you have to take what they'll take a bullet for and make it uh, palatable. For, quote, normal people? Sorry, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You did this so that you would have seats immediately filled on name recognition. So don't tell me Taskmaster's in your movie and give me a movie without Taskmaster in it. That's my other problem. Don't call a character Elias Starr in the Ant-Man movie 
Oh. Without telling us that he is Egghead. Right. Don't call a character the ghost who is a hot friggin' Wonder Woman who could have had a major role in, in any film, make no mistake there. But that character, sexy chick of walking through walls, has no resemblance to the source material in any way. Right. Uh, for those of you who might be confused, it is dispensed with in a single sentence that the magnificent and beloved Marvel villain Egghead was the father of that girl ghost in the movie. He's never referred to as Egghead, and he is killed in a two-second clip. Yeah, it's and it's weird to me because it's like you said. You, you paid a billion the, dollars for Egghead and the ghost. And, Why not let them both fly? And may, and a lot of people will say, oh, it's the comic book nerds or, or the no. continuity guys. Mainstream movie critics, they're one of their biggest complaints with the Marvel movies are weak villains. And there's weak villains yep. because you're... I don't know, bastardizing? Okay. You basically, it's because like, they're ashamed you're, you're, of the source right, material. Right. They think to make it palatable by the U.S., they, they have to make it look not like a comic. Meanwhile, talk to anybody who isn't a comic book fan but is a fan of the movies, excited about the history and the advance of those characters. They're geeking out more over those simple stories than I ever did over any story. They love this stuff. Right. People are ravenous for it. Why do people watch soap operas, or at least did once upon a time? <laughs> it was, well, because they're naughty. Uh, and, and all of that. But as well, the thing that it, I know engendered me to them, because that's right, I watched Seth Rappers. Bold and the beautiful, young and the restless. And as the world turns on occasion, they were my true north for many, many moons. You know, the fact that it was as surprising to anyone that I was homosexual is, is perhaps <laughs> the largest surprise <laughs> of all. But anyway... Um, no, that I, continuity is appeals to people. Why do people watch? The, well, actually, these days they watch the WWF because it's better than adult cinema. I, I should be putting uh, Alexa Bliss on my wall oh, beside yeah. my Vinegar Syndrome movies. Well, but it is again, it's the soap opera and drama. It's the continuity. It's, it's bizarre too because the original, like you said, the original Ghost has nothing to do. It's not a normal. Yep. It's not just a sex change or, or a race swap. I am so proud it's, of you that that is the element you seized on because well, yeah, you understand as well what a sin entire, against nature it was. So is, I mean, so was Taskmaster. It wasn't just a gender swap. It was a completely. That character and here's the problem with anything. It's not that it's a girl. Because frankly, if you would put a girl in the Taskmaster costume playing the Taskmaster character, be hot. uh, You know, the the Taskmaster's real name is Tony Masters. Tony with an I. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to tell me that wouldn't be the hottest damn thing that ever was? It's not the gender swap. Make the ghost a girl. But you have to stay true to the spirit of the character. Yeah. There's nothing there to identify them as, as in any way. The thing and they you paid keep, a billion dollars. And again, for. what's crazy is they keep getting called out on it by yeah. fans, by by. No, you're all being critics. incels. You're all just incels. You want to see the thing that you love on a screen. Well, yeah, that's why we're excited. That's why we're at your sneak preview. That's why we bought your merchandise. And you can look down your nose at us, which is largely an attitude that is informed by the modern journalist pool, made up of uncommitted slackers who are too good to work at McDonald's who know that they can immediately engender viral attention if they call out the fan base that rejects them for not knowing anything about what they're reporting on. So it's an easy thing to bring up a term like incel, okay? Mm. What is an incel? Oh, it's a guy who never grows up, so he cares about all this too much. Yeah, so he's going to call you out on writing your top 10 article about the Nintendo games we all remember loving when you've never even looked at a television, much less a Nintendo. It's you commenting on... Uh, why Thanos is the LGBTQ character that we need right now when that has nothing to do with any reality and any focus on reality. Was that a reality. real article? I speak only truths. Okay. 
Unlike yourself, who, who believed that an agent is not a, uh, an affiliate of an organization. No, he's an agent. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it's that. Okay, I'm going to chime in with some semantics here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> an agent can also be an independent contractor. Can be. Thank can you. be. Thank if, you. But, Thank you, Rich. But, but let, let's say you worked for an evil employer, Rich, and, and they, they commanded you to kill Jack Ruby. Uh, would when you are invariably caught, because I'm sorry, you're not the assassin that I could be. Uh, when you get on this, what is your defense going to be? You're just following orders. The real culprit here is is the master organization. Yeah, but that's all. It's like vice versa. No, no. Sorry, you're a willing member of Hydra. Once you're an agent, you're in for a penny. It depends if you get a W two or a W nine. <laughs> Much less a ten ninety nine, ladies and gentlemen. Our man Rich, he makes the sounds American. Every episode is a new adventure. Keith hates science fiction. Paul outs a Soviet spy. How Damnation Alley helped forge cinema as we know it. Keith reveals his favorite Marvel movie and loves you all. And no one suggested anything about anyone on Epstein Island. Infinite Geek Talk is brought to you by Infinite Heroes Comics, Cards, and Collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut, and Gorilla Valley Games. Infinite Geek Talk is a Rat's Nest production recorded and engineered by Rich Johnson in the Rat's Nest Studios.